Hey, I'm Jennifer Hurwitz, best-selling author of the books One Happy Divorce and Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda. I'm a relationship coach, a public speaker, and I'm the mom of two of the most kick-ass teenage boys around. Raw, authentic, and insightful, this podcast is a no-bullshit slice of reality for anyone curious about what it looks like to get divorced. On Doing Divorce Right, we'll give you the tools you'll need to navigate your relationships, whether you're contemplating divorce or have already signed the papers. We'll figure it out together without taking ourselves too seriously here on Doing Divorce Right Podcast. The Sober League system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tampered detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery of results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. It's my pleasure to offer my listeners $50 off your device. Just email info at soberlink.com and mention doing divorce right, but hurry, it's for a limited time only. Soberlink.com. Good morning. Good morning. This is Doing Divorce Right. I'm Jennifer Herbitz. I'm here every Tuesday with you. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome. Okay, you guys, you know that I know that you all love to talk about money. Money, money, money is one of my best topics. You guys love it. I love it. So of course I have a fabulous guest for you today. It, it always is like this. I bring you great people. That's what I do. Um, it's been a crazy, crazy year. I'm exhausted with, with this pandemic, this, this crazy Corona crap. Oh, I can't take it. But Doing Divorce Right is back and we're here. And Kimberly Nelson is with me today. I love Love this woman. Good morning. Smart. Good morning, Kimberly. How are you, honey? I'm wonderful. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I'm so glad you're here. I want to talk about you a little bit and tell everybody what you do. Um, you're a CDFA and a CFA. Am I correct? Both? That's correct. You're mm-hmm. both. And you've been working with high net worth divorcees, am I right? In the LA area for more than 15 years. You're a smart cookie. And I feel like you have so much great information for us today. Um, I think the topic we're going to touch on is financial infidelity which I, I need to know about because I know nothing about this. I, I just am excited to have you. Um, how to spot it, how to stop it. What do we do, Kimberly? Give us some nuggets. Tell us about you first and how you started in this, this um, you know, what, what you're doing, how you started. Tell us a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been in Los Angeles really for about 16 years and working in finance, wealth management the entire time. And You know, I don't know if it's just Los Angeles or if it's the entire nation. I think it's all over the place. But, you know, divorce is is becoming a rampant topic around here. There's a lot of it happening. Um, And divorcing in 2020 is definitely not your parents or your grandparents' divorce. Things are very, very different. And keeping marriages together today, uh, it's not like it was in the 50s either. You know, um, women are out in the workforce. uh, Men are also working. And, you know, these money issues, the dynamic is really changing. And uh, and we have to pay attention to that. And so, um, you know, I actually began working with high net worth divorcees quite by accident. I've, I've been in the, the wealth planning area, as I mentioned, but because so many matrimonial issues come up and are centered around money, it really became a focal point for a lot of our clients and something that I was very interested in. And about 10 years ago, a close friend of mine went through a very high net worth divorce, and uh, I worked hard on that 
with her. And that is how I really became interested in this space and why I focus on that in my practice. So um, seeing how that divorce went and my friend being the less financially savvy of the two parties, you know, her husband had always handled everything financial. and, And so she was kind of in the dark and really um, vulnerable, not only to her soon-to-be ex-husband, but also to her attorneys who wanted to litigate a lot of matters and things like that. I think that her representation wasn't great, and she really was, was powerless to understand that and make a change for herself. So seeing what happened with, with her and with the uh, different financial nuances associated with their divorce that made me really want to be an advocate for um, for the spouse that may, maybe knows a little bit less and isn't as forward in the money management as their their spouse was. Um, so that's really how it all started. It's just a passion of mine and, and educating clients about uh, their future, about the past, and making sure that certain mistakes don't get repeated if there have been mistakes. I think that's amazing. And I think so, that goes with, is it only, it's not only high, you know, high net divorces, but I mean, all divorces, I feel like even a lot of, I feel like a lot of women are in that position where we just don't know, you know, we're stay-at-home moms. I mean, I was, I was a stay-at-home mom and I didn't even look at the checkbook. I didn't know what, I mean, I was busy with the kids. I wasn't in that position where yeah. I was able to see what was going on behind closed doors. And luckily my husband, I call him my husband, my husband was a good guy, husband, but, I love there, it. <laughs> but there are a lot of us that you know, mm-hmm. aren't in that position where we, you know, we have a good guy that's going to take care of us, right? So what do we do? How do we stop this from happening? What exactly is, can you start there? What is exactly, what is financial fidelity? That's, you know. Definitely, definitely. Well, I think, exactly. I think (laughs) everyone knows what infidelity is. We all know what that is. Any infidelity, which is essentially, you know, cheating or just keeping a secret that could be harmful that could come out, right. you know, and um, but infidelity in the traditional sense, you know, the relationship sense is, is deeply painful, but financial infidelity can cut really deep also. Right, right. And financial infidelity occurs when one spouse hides assets, income or debt, something like that from the other. It can mean finding out suddenly that you're much deeper in debt than you thought. Oh, um, right. And there are real world consequences to all of this too. And, you know, especially if you're in a community property state like California, where I happen to be, um, you know, spouses share their debt. And if one spouse racks up debt behind the other's back, they are jointly responsible. So the the real hard part about this, of course, is that with traditional infidelity, trust can be totally lost and you may or may not be able to ever trust this person again. So um, that's what makes it so emotionally painful. Right. But you know, many, many Americans acknowledge hiding an account or debt from their from their partner or spouse. So, you know, open communication is key, but as we all know, that can break down sometimes and other problems within a marriage can can actually facilitate further breakdown in, in other areas like finances. So it, it might be possible to overcome this, only you'll know if your relationship can overcome this or not. Um, and it might be the reason that you're considering divorce or wanting to listen to this podcast. Um, but, you know, um, it's something that we can kind of unwind a little bit here, talk about the problems, the roots, and then how to ultimately solve it. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. But like, yeah. do you think that in your marriage, like, how do you know, like, where do you even start by like, how do you know this is happening? I mean, how can you, are there signs that it's happening in your marriage? So, or can we start there, do you think, or do? Yeah, there there are definitely signs. That's a great, great place to start, you know, hearing, Um, you know, anytime that you are 
hiding something from your spouse, basically. You know, it, it's, it's not a financial problem. It's a relationship problem. So I just exactly. want to start by saying that. Right. You know, so if you find that anything is being hidden, financial or otherwise, then that's a red flag right there. And you should start thinking about uh, your finances a little bit also. And I, I'm not saying... But a few little brown Bloomingdale bags in the back of your closet are a sign of impending marriage. I just don't get me wrong, okay? Or that you know, rounding down the price of those new short Weissman heels from three hundred to two fifty. If your husband asks, you know, that that's okay too. Okay, I mean, the shoes spoke to you. I get it. They spoke to you. You couldn't not take them home. They did. So they spoke to me. Right, right, right. You got my permission. It's okay, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. So it's the, it's the point where this. This fibbing about finances, though, crosses the line and becomes a serious fiasco that, that wreaks havoc on your future. So the signs that this could be happening for, to you right now, you know, you might notice that you've been removed from a joint credit card, for example. Oh, okay. You were an authorized user and maybe you are no longer. Or you notice one of your joint credit cards being closed without your permission. Wow. That's, that's a very right. popular one. That's a um, That's, that's a happened. That's it. Yeah, it's happened to a couple clients of mine, and, and oftentimes, you know, people have this happen, and they just think maybe the bank made a mistake or something like that, and that sort of thing can happen from time to time, but it's always good to just ask, you know, don't uh, don't bury your head in the sand, just just ask and, and see what's going on. Don't be afraid to call the bank. Um, oh, call the bank. Don't ask your husband. No, right now, what if you what do you what if you do like you go to your spouse and you say, "Hey, I noticed that my X, Y, and Z was taken off of X, Y, and, Z, and they deny it." And then you go to like, do you go to the bank first? Do you recommend, or do you recommend going to the spouse first? What do you suggest? You know, I th- I think asking the spouse about it first is a great idea if you okay. still feel like you've got a good line of communication and you don't have any other reason to believe that something might be hidden. I think okay. you absolutely go to them first and. And, and have that communication and see what they say. If they're evasive or unclear, or especially if they say, you know what, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely right. dig a little deeper. Yeah, don't don't worry, I'll take care of it. We've all been hearing that for, for years, right? Yeah, that's a you know, yeah. um, and, um, and And that's okay, too, by the way. I want to address something that you said just a little bit ago uh, at the start of this call, Jennifer. You said that, you know, your husband kind of handled things and that you were, you were okay, you know, for him to just kind of, take care of that. A lot of us are. And, you know, you, you kind of think sometimes, you know, he said he would take care of it. I'm just going to let him. That's, that's a fine dynamic if, if that's how you want your relationship to be. But it's always good to just have a meeting of the mind, maybe once a quarter, every three months or so, and just have a discussion about it. So you're in the know. Because when one party is has been kept in the dark for a very long time, that's really how the seeds of infidelity are oh, sown yes. And, yes. And, and ultimately create a much bigger problem. So it's okay if in your relationship you want to make one party the ultimate responsible party, but that does not mean the other party does not have a responsibility to know and understand at a basic level. Absolutely. Okay. And if I can share something so, with you, Kimberly, in my marriage, and this is mm-hmm. being very authentic and real here and transparent, you know, we did have, you know, he, you know, my husband never said no to me. He never said no. And then, you know, when mm-hmm. we were having money issues and he said to me, well, you know, I said, why didn't you say no to the French doors? Why didn't you say no to the tummy tuck? Why don't you? And he said, well, I never right. wanted to upset you. I never wanted to disappoint you. And I said, but you, I can't mm-hmm. help the situation if you don't say no. So like, cause I never right. saw the, I never saw the, the credit card. You know, he was an accountant. So I thought, my God, like, yep. you know, the accountant, but like, that's the problem. You have to be able to, to both of you have to own that responsibility. Don't you think? Like it was my fault that I didn't know. What absolutely. Was going right. Yep, I mean, absolutely. Because okay. when he's been entrusted by you with that responsibility, 
then it is on him to speak up if there's something yes. that's wrong also. So, yes. so he let you down in a different way. Right. And um, in a way, Jennifer, that, that is financial infidelity also. Yes. Because he's leading you to believe that the situation is different than it actually is. Right. And therefore, you're actually creating a problem here when you don't even know that you're doing it. Right. So, yep. you know, again, that's where the, the open and honest communication. And, and if you do have a meeting of the minds every quarter, even every six months, if every quarter is, is too often, even every six months, just so you know, then you can at least ask questions and you might look at your checking and savings account and say, actually, I'm uncomfortable with the amount that we have in here. I think we need to have more, right. you know, and that way you can share your opinion. And then ultimately your spouse can, can help be a, a partner in getting you back. I wish I would have done that. I, I, yeah. I feel guilty about mm -hmm. that. I wish that I would have been more, you know, uh, I wish I would have taken a bigger part or bigger role in our financial because I felt like it put a lot of burden on him as well. You know, yeah, it, it, so it does. It's and, it's, and it is a big burden. And um, and oftentimes, too, you know, the spouse that is taking care of, of, of the money and oftentimes it has been, you know, the, the male partner, um, you know, they start to feel very insecure yes. about the situation. They don't want to share That's their exactly fears awesome. or their concerns right. either right. because they don't want to let you down. So that was it. That was it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you see, you know, unidentified stress from, from your spouse, you know, they might seem worried about money and you don't know why, or they become touchy if you try to bring up a financial issue, you know, or here's another good one. If you overhear your spouse misrepresenting your financial state or fibbing about something while you're at a cocktail party or something, oh. if, uh, you know, if they ask about his new car and he lies about the cost of the car oh. or something like that, you know, you might then start to understand that he might very easily be dishonest with you also about something related right. to your financial picture. So it's not to say that you owe the truth to perfect strangers at a, at a party about your finances, but if you hear, um, you know, if you hear these misrepresentations that could become a sign. Right. Because so, I think a lot of times, um, you know, men and their ego, it depends on their, how much, right. Their self-worth depends on their job and their financial yep. situation. So it's just so it's a touchy, touchy is, I mean, like a fine? Absolutely. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, it can be. It's, yeah, and, and, and money and masculinity kind of go together in, right. in certain ways. At least they have in the past. I think that in 2020, we're working very hard to change that. Right, I agree. You know, we are, um, we're kind of redefining um, our relationship with, with each other as men and women, but also our relationship with money. And, um, you know, like I said before, it's really okay whatever arrangement you want to have within your own relationship. That's all right. But it's never good to just not understand or not know exactly yep. what's happening. Yeah, I'm really um, about that. Yeah, I wish that I, I did a better yeah, job. Yeah, and you know, it's never too late either, Jennifer. You know, you, you acknowledge what you think went wrong, and now you'll change it. And I you know, going forward, you know, when you get into another relationship, you're going to be more comfortable having these conversations if you can get educated now yes. about it. I'm trying, Kimberly. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great job, and and Thanks. you know, you were right. You were one of the lucky ones. Because yeah. your husband, um, you know, you and he were able to sit down and agree yes. to some joint goals, especially around your son. And the two of you are both contributing financially towards those goals. So, you know, it's um, it's it's his goal to have his sons in a good place with you when they spend time with you. And that he's, um, you know, more apt to support you in a way that's going to allow you to keep them in the lifestyle that they have grown accustomed to and deserve without a lot of arguing and fighting. Yeah. And that really is the ultimate goal of any divorce is to redefine 
your relationship as co-parents of your children Absolutely. and uh, and co-managers of the family assets. Right. I think we know? spoke about that too, you know, before we, we had a little conversation about that. I think a lot of this comes from, um, from fear, right? Just the not knowing of where you're going to be. We're jumping around, but you know, after you get divorced, you, you're fearful of where you're, where you're like, what your life is going to look like. So, um, yes. yeah, that's why I think what Absolutely. you do is so important, Kimberly, what you do is just, mm-hmm. I give you so much kudos and just you're you're amazing this is just what you do is great so well i, I appreciate that jennifer and, and you, you know you're right you kind of hit the nail on the head there what this really is about is removing the fear and replacing that with an empowering feeling so that these these scary thoughts about about money and debt and finances um you know it suddenly seems a little easier to manage and and not so scary to discuss and and talk about. If you can't talk about it with your spouse, also talking about it with the accountant or a financial advisor is a great idea. Also, someone who understands things. <clears throat> and oftentimes, you may not know what you should be spending on a house, or if you're spending too much on your mortgage now, or um, what retirement's going to look like for you. So, engaging a professional to help you with that um, can be a good a good move. Also, so. You know, so a few more ways to spot it. You know, you just notice money missing. Um, You notice your spouse being more generous than normal. You know, kind of like you said earlier, Jen, when your husband was just saying, sure, go ahead and buy that, buy this. That that should be a concern. So um, all of these things, you know, don't... um, don't let too many of them slip by without just digging a little bit deeper and, uh, and inspecting here. Why this happens, of course. Yeah, why? What do you think? Is, Let's hear it. Well, number one, it's the thing we've been talking about all along here. It's that one spouse has taken full responsibility for the family finances. It just opens the door for a lot of misunderstanding and, and even the appearance of deception when you, um, when you do finally come together to talk about it. If things have been going on that you didn't know about or just weren't aware of, it might feel like a deception right. at that point also. So, you know, that's just um, not a good thing. But, um, you know, money being a scary topic for couples to discuss, it's just easier not to have the conversation sometimes. Yes. And, um, yeah, and embarrassment, you know, if, um, you know, if, if I had a client recently who was telling me that her husband actually took out a large amount of money on their joint line of credit without her knowledge. They already had this line open and he did it because he was having some business troubles and he didn't want to talk about it with her. He said he didn't want to worry her about the business troubles and he thought that he could, you know, fix it by just taking this loan and that would be short term. Mm. But, um, you know, then, uh, you know, this is actually earlier this year. You all know what happened with the, the coronavirus pandemic that we're still living in. And he wasn't able to make the money back up the way that he thought. And now yeah. they are in a little bit of a predicament. And, and she is understandably more upset about the deception and less upset about the money. Right. Had he come to her in the beginning and explained what was going on, then um, you know she would have tried to work out a solution. Maybe would have even thought along with him that the loan was the best way. And she would understand why they are in this situation because it was a decision that they'd made together. Right. But instead, he he did it by himself, which leaves her just feeling kind of alone and vulnerable. Right. You know, right? She's and, more angry that he lied. That, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I mean that, that's exactly right. It's so that deception. It's just, um, right. Yeah, it just feels like a like a breach of trust. And I um I had another client once. This was kind of interesting. He found out that his wife was actually receiving a large amount of child support from her ex-husband for the daughter that she shared with him. Oh. And she had led him to believe that 
her ex didn't make much money, and so the courts really couldn't order a lot of support because he wasn't able, but she was frittering this child support away into a secret account that she was keeping off onto the side. And so she was squirreling away close to five grand a month for the first two years. Kimberly. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It happened. So what did he say? What did he, uh, that's, that's, you know, he and I were talking about it and he was just kind of bewildered. He was thinking, do I even have the right to be angry? Because technically this is an arrangement between her and her ex. I'm not a part of it, but just that, she was receiving this and didn't say anything. I understand that this money is for, you know, her daughter, who, right. who he cared about deeply also and um, and was working to take care of. But he just he just kind of thought almost, do I have a right to be angry, number one? But number two, I am angry and I just feel like she lied, you know, and the yeah. lie was worse than the money. And of course, then she was very embarrassed also, but it did damage the marriage. They, um, you know, they... Um, Yep. They were how able does to that, work how it does out. it not damage the marriage? I mean, how does that not? Any lie is going to damage the marriage. There's really no positive effect whatsoever to your marriage when you lie about anything to your spouse. And, um, you know, again, little white lie. I really did love that meal that you cooked, babe. That's fine. <laughs> but it was fabulous. It was fabulous. But don't make it again. It was fabulous. You know, and it's that, that's fine. You know, again, everyone knows the difference between uh, a, a little white lie and, and a fib, you know, about certain things. And, and of course, the, the bigger, deeper, destructive, um, you know, patterns of, of, of lying. You know, right. they're, they're, very, they're very different. And I think right, everybody exactly. understands the differences. But, um, you know, and of course, to what level um, lying about finances is different really for every couple. You know, like you mentioned earlier too, Jen, um, all of this works for high net worth divorcees as well as uh, lower net worth or emerging affluent, as I like to say, people who are just, just working on things and, and getting started. You know, um, a lie is a lie. And if, if money is tight, then a lie about even a hundred bucks could become significant within a relationship. So, you know, again, the communication here, it might just be best to sit down and talk about, you know, what the mutual goals are and what our expectations are. And at what point do we suddenly get the others, um, not necessarily consent, but just kind of let them know prior. We ask permission versus forgiveness, um, you know, for that purchase. Is it a hundred bucks? Is it a thousand bucks? You know, um, I mean, I don't think that running every Amazon purchase by your spouse is, is really realistic, but, you know, um, depends on how much you're spending and if, and if your budget can bear it and only the two of you can decide what's right uh, for the two of you. So I used to have girlfriends that, you know, would hide the, the packages from UPS, like until their, their husbands left and they would just like pray that their, that the UPS guy wouldn't come down the street. Right. When they, when their husbands came home and I have a girlfriend who actually paid yeah. the UPS guy money to like come at a different time oh, of day. So, so like these things that are is like, so is that so funny? And, and she would say like, look, hilarious. I just pay him off. So he doesn't come in that you know, and I, these things, but they, is that it's funny. Like what, what is that? Is it, is it funny? Is it, I mean, it is funny. Well, right. But, and that I would say is crossing the line when you're so stressed out that you're actually bribing the UPS man to change his schedule. I think so too. I I, I I mean, that's a little much, you know, I I mean, um, saying, saying something was on sale when it actually wasn't, you know, maybe not the end of the world, but, but truly if you're actually hiding UPS packages and and you've got a system down and you've you've actually, um, you know, created a method and, and, and the UPS guy is complicit in your deception. I, that's, that's where we're getting a, a little bit too far. I think and, so too. And it's, not stress, 
You know? stress on everybody. And then like, what about this, Kimberly? Yeah. When people tell me that their husbands tell them that they absolutely cannot um, do any plastic surgery or Botox. So they go and return something mm-hmm. for cash and then they pay cash for the, I mean, that kind of thing. Like I think, okay, well maybe I would do that too. But it's like, I don't know what, when is crossing a line and what it's, it's all, I guess it all depends on the relationship, right? I mean, well, and actually, I just think that you came up with a rather, um, you know, ingenious way to pay for something that you want if you bought See? something else that you haven't used and don't want. But here's here's the thing with that. Why not just say it then? Why not just say to your husband, right. hey, I'd rather have item B instead of item A. So I'm going to go ahead and item A and then buy item B. You know, yes. because if you, if, what if you actually just said to him, I'm going to go return this since I haven't used it and um, and I don't want it anymore because I'd rather have this other thing. I think that most uh, most spouses would say, well, that's fine. If that's what would make you happier, exactly. then go ahead and do it. But the amount of money that we have set aside for this particular area of our lives is X. And so as long as you're not going over X, you know. Yeah, I think you're um, right. I think that it's less about the thing as it is about the money. Exactly. And, and, and mostly just about the openness and honesty. You know, it's just about the, the, the not being being untruthful. You know, it's funny, another friend of mine was uh, was talking to me recently about the way that things have changed. She found her husband um, actually had a credit card that he'd opened up about a year ago without telling her, and he'd only made a few purchases on it. It was, it was a small bill, but he forgot about the credit card himself, and they actually received a notice from collections. So she was upset about that too. And she, she said to me, I, I feel so silly even bringing this up because the amount of money is not that big. I'm just mad at him for opening this credit card without telling me. And I, I said to her, you know, that you and I were getting ready to have this discussion. So I was asking her a little bit about her feelings about it. And she said, you know, it's so funny how things have changed since like, you know, the 60s and 70s when she was a kid. She said that, you know, her father would balance the checkbook and then yell out at, you know, his at her mother, we've got a check missing. What, where where was this twenty bucks? What, what's this all about? And she would say it was for gas. That was when I went to get gas. You know. And so this is like this is not a new concept. This no. has been happening. I think it's it's evolved and it's changing a little bit because we have a lot of electronic uh, transactions. I agree. That we, I agree. You know, most purchases are now taking place via mail and whatnot. But but it's always gone that way. And and it, and it was funny because this friend kind of thought that it was her father's way of kind of controlling her mother a little bit with finances. Yeah. And, um, you know, she was saying that she kind of feels now that she might have to do that with her husband a little bit just because mm-hmm. of this. And, and I thought, you know, it's really, it, it's interesting, you know, you're right. How, you know, the, the, the dynamic uh, within relationships is um, it really does revolve around money in a lot it of does. ways. I agree. You know? Yeah, I felt like I was always like being controlled a little bit too with my husband. And then I realized like, maybe that was like a good thing for me, but I wasn't really sure. And then when I got divorced, I was like, I'm free, but then I'm not really free because now I have alimony and child support. And it's like, it's it's just really, it is a strange thing. Money is a strange thing. I, I just, I'm it glad you're here today. Thing. I'm glad you're here because I feel like everyone needs a you. Everybody needs a Kimberly Nelson because... Um, I feel like we all need a little help with everybody needs to have help with their finances because it's mm-hmm. nice to have another opinion on, on how to handle a situation. Yeah. I just feel like it is. And yep. It's nice to have. Yep. So I appreciate you. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that too, Jennifer. And, um, you know, I think that the way that you kind of control this and how you get yourself to a better place um, you know, how, how do you stop the financial infidelity if you think this might be going on or just head it off at least 
definitely don't accuse, just have an open and honest conversation. And again, coming to the table and having that sit down, whether it's two times a year or four times a year, you know, if you've got questions or concerns, that would be a great forum to bring those up with your spouse. And then they're able to, um, you know, respond in a non-defensive manner. If you already have this scheduled and you know what's going to happen, then they're already expecting it. And of course, come to the table ready to be honest yourself. Um, If there's anything that you've been hiding, be ready to share that and just create an opportunity there for yourself to come clean about any indiscretions that uh, that they have going on, maybe so you can both work toward a resolve together. So that's awesome. Know, yeah, that's um, great advice. Another way, another way of stopping it is just to reassess your goals together. Are they still the same? Does your partner have a different set of goals in mind than you do? There might be some reconciliation that needs to take place there. But once you come onto the same page, then going forward is going to be a lot easier because you're both working toward the same set of goals. So proposing a, a new family budget that you can both agree on, discussing revised spending expectations or earning expectations because things change at work also, and we may need to adjust our, our personal lives uh, based on changing things at work, especially during coronavirus, this is the time we're in right now. I know that a lot of people are experiencing some employment insecurity and possibly some lower wages, things like that. So you know, um, it's a really good idea to be mindful of everything happening around you so that you can put yourself in a better position going forward. But, you know, bringing in a third party, a financial advisor um, who could help you with goal setting, money management, tax efficient investing, estate planning, things like that. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, seeking counseling um, with your spouse, if you're at that point, that's another great way to, to kind of stop this because like I said earlier, financial infidelity is not a money problem. It's, it's really it's a relationship, relationship problem. I agree. So I totally agree. There could be something much bigger going on there that you might need a um, you know professional to help you both address. And so um, that's really how, how we would stop it. And if, if you think that there's something so big here that you can't move past it and you think that separation or divorce, you know, is your, your best option, then, um, you know, at that point, what you want to do is just... Um, you know, consult with an attorney, consider a legal separation while you sort your issues out. That way, um, joint credit um, cannot be taken out anymore. You know, you, oh, you want your important. own accounts that spending spending can be tracked and whatnot, because if you think you might be headed toward a permanent separation, you want to start segregating your finances now so Absolutely. that we can, um, you know, keep, keep your stuff yours and, and his or her stuff, his or hers. Um, and then, you know, engaging a forensic accountant to determine flow of funds if you think something really big has happened, you know, um, and uh, attorneys and financial advisors do know these people also can set you on the right path if you right. think that that is the route that you need to take. But, um, you know, above all else, I think taking a deep breath, stepping back and starting with a conversation with the person that you've entered into the biggest business contract of your life with is probably the place to start. You know, so whether you do that just the two of you or in conjunction with a third party is up to you. Right. But, and Kimberly, where can people find you if they, I know that you practice in California, obviously. I don't know if people can reach out to you via your website. Is that, is that possible if they need to ask yeah, you questions? Yeah, absolutely they can. They, absolutely, they sure can. Okay. Um, my website is, uh, it's, it's www.coastalbridgeadvisors.com, spelled exactly how it sounds, C O A S T A L. B-R-I-D-G-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com, Coastal Bridge Advisors. And, um, you know, they can certainly um, 
find me on social media as well. Or, we'll put uh, it in the show notes. Everything will be in the show yeah, notes so people exactly. can find you. Awesome. But, um, you know, I thank you again, Jennifer, for bringing up this really oh. important topic and giving me the opportunity to, to talk about it with you. It I've was my really pleasure having you here. And, I think um, you're fantastic, Kimberly. And, I think you're fantastic. Well, I, I think you are as well. And, oh, and you know, you. Your, your divorce and the, the way that you and your husband, your husband excuse me, <laughs> have worked through things really is a, a model for others who want to get to a good place with their ex. Took a lot of work. It took a lot of work. You know? And you did the work, so thank you, you, you deserve props for that. So, well, thank, thank you. you. So everything will be in the show notes. And I just have a couple quick questions because we, I like to do a speed round at the end of every podcast um, for my new season back. But I just want to ask you a couple things. So are you reading any good books lately? What's your favorite book? Did you read anything over the you know, last couple months? Did you have a, time? That's a, really, that's a really good question. And yes, I am reading a couple of books. Um, the, uh, the first book, I actually have a copy of it right over oh. here. It's called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. And I, uh, I found that book um, a few months ago. It was a recommendation from a friend. And it really is a terrific book for anybody who is trying to get started in, um, with, with investing and they want to understand how it works and how, um, how third parties can, can work and, and make, it, make the experience a little bit better. I'm just reading it because I think it's, it's such a terrific little uh, anecdotal book with a lot of interesting information. But um, I also um, recently read Laura Wasser's book um, about uh, divorce, which was a, a really terrific read as well. She is, for those of you who don't know who she is, she's a celebrity divorce attorney here in, um, in California who's worked on a lot of um, high net worth divorces. And she herself um, has been in a couple of relationships that uh, she's co-parenting with, with two separate fathers. And she really has a, a wonderful um, you know, way of approaching everything. That, I love Miss um, Laura. Laura's my friend. Oh, is she good? Yep. Yes, and I was on her show. <laughs> okay. Her, her book is titled it Doesn't Have to Be That Way. And, yeah, uh, and she's like, redefining divorces here in, in 2020. So, okay. um, what about do you have a favorite movie? Did you do a movie or anything? Any movies? No, movies everything binging on television? Haven't, yeah, I haven't seen any movies lately. Binging on television. Um, well, these days. Um, anything good? I, I can't stop watching Netflix. I'm addicted. Indian Matchmaker. Oh my God, I loved it. Didn't you like it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was it's, great. It's really interesting. I love it. I, I think it's a really interesting model and it works for them. So. Yep, I know. I thought so too. It works for them. That's about it. Right, it works for them. It works for them. So that, that's very interesting. Awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm so glad you were here, Kimberly. Thank you so much. And again, everybody, you, um, you can find all of Kimberly's information in my show notes. Uh, per usual. And you know where to find me. You know, it's easy doing divorce right. Um, and on Instagram, it's now doing divorce right instead of Jennifer Hervitz biz. I'm now doing divorce right on Instagram and Jennifer Hervitz biz on Facebook. And if you want to join my Facebook group, it's doing divorce right podcast all over the place. And um, you know, my books, what a could have should a divorce coach's guide to staying married and one happy divorce. Hold the BS. Um, I'm so glad you were here with us today. This is a great topic. I know you guys love it talking about money and finances and all that good stuff. And financial infidelity, how to stop it, you know, you guys got the information now. Everybody do something fabulous for yourself today. Um, And that's it. You know what to do. Peace, love, and as always, truth. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to Doing Divorce Right. Don't forget, if you love the show, subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you get your episodes. And grab my books, One Happy Divorce and Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda on Amazon, Target.com, or my website, jenniferhervitz.com. As usual, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Peace, love.
and truth.